Good morning, everybody. Glad that you're here with us today as we wrap up our series in Romans. And so we're going to spend some time today in Romans chapter 13, 14, and 15 as we kind of wrap up this series that we've been in over the past few weeks together. If you need a Bible, I encourage you to grab a Bible. We have Bibles at the back of each seating section. If you have a Bible app on your phone, feel free to bring that up during the service as well. And I have to warn you today that we are going to deal with several different subjects that Paul's going to be talking about to us. And it's going to feel like several different messages as we look at that. And so if you can remember that everything that we look at today comes under the umbrella of living our lives in response to the gospel. If you can remember that everything we talk about has to do with living our lives as holy sacrifices to God because of what God has done for us. So just hold on to that as we work our way through our message today. Now, before we dive in, I have a few things I need to make you aware of. Uh, If you were not with us last week, then you missed a big announcement related to our worship team. Brandon is our worship leader. He's been doing that for three years with us. And if you don't know, Brandon and his wife Tasha and their family, they live down in Port Orange. It's about 45 minutes south of us. For three years, they have driven up here many Sundays in two cars to be a part of our worship team, be a part of our church family, and to lead us in worship. And we've been praying as a church over those past number of years for God to open some doors, make it possible for them to move up here and be more of a part of our church family. But God has opened another door. Instead of them coming up here, God's opened a door, a possibility for them to help a church down in the New Smyrna Beach area get started. And that church is called Connect Church. And so on, um, let's see, August the 4th, I believe, will be their first Sunday down there. And the 28th of July of this month will be their last Sunday here leading worship for us. And I just got to tell you, I am excited for them. I'm excited about what God is going to do in the life of that church. I'm excited about what Brandon and Tasha are going to bring to that church to help that church reach more people in their community who desperately need to know about the love of Jesus. So there's a sadness on, on, in my heart and a sadness in our lives as we see them go, but I am so happy about where they're going to. I'm excited for them as they head towards this new church, and they're going to be able to help them out in some big ways. So if you know anyone who lives down in the New Smyrna Beach, Port Orange area, and you'd like to tell them about that church, we have some flyers or some cards back at our Connection Center. You can stop by there, grab a few of these, and hand them out. Um, we would love to be a strong supporter of another church in our community. Now, we also announced last week that God has already provided for us our next worship leader. And I love it when God works that way. And you would love it too because I don't play the guitar and I can't sing. So you'd be stuck with me and it'd be horrible. So God has provided our next worship leader being Evan Shows. And Evan has been very active on our worship team for the past several years. You've seen him lead on many occasions here. And uh, so we began a journey with him and asking, might this be something that God wants you to do? And so he has said yes. And his wife, Carla, is very active in our uh, international missions team. She just came back from Guatemala. 
And uh, so we're just so thrilled to have their family here and excited about what God is going to do through them in our worship ministry as we look to the future. Now, if you play an instrument or you sing or you feel like God might want you to use those talents in a way to glorify him through what happens in our worship team, I encourage you to talk to Evan. That'd be great to have you up here instead of me tripping over. See, I can't even make it survive up here. I trip over all these wires. Now, one more thing I need to tell you before we dive in is that our prep team needs some extra help. Uh, we've had some transitions on our prep team, and right now the team's a little thin. And if you don't know, it takes about an hour to come and transform this place from a school into a place that we use for our worship gatherings. And there's a team that shows up here at 7 a.m. Sunday mornings. And they work real hard to get all the stuff that we have up here in storage, and they get it all over the place and hang these curtains and set up these, these chairs and, and set up our children's ministry. And yeah, it takes about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. The more people that we have involved in that, then the quicker that goes. So I really encourage you, if you're looking for something to do around here, I'd love to have you help out on our team that sets up in the morning, as well as our team that tears down at the end of the day. So we've got a team, as soon as the service is over, they get real busy tearing down the rest of the stuff, putting it in storage so we can leave it there until the, the following week. So we'd love to have you on one of those teams set up or tear down. And if you're interested in either of those, I encourage you to stop by our Connection Center and talk with Angie. That would be great. All right, now for Romans. So far in our study of Romans, we've learned that this is a letter that a guy by the name of Paul, he wrote to new Christians who are in this place called Rome. So Paul was a very influential, influential follower of Jesus, and he had been used by God to start many churches at that time. He wrote several letters to those churches to help them understand what it means to live as a Christ follower. And so he hears about this church in Rome, and he wants to write them this letter called Romans. So he writes them this letter for two purposes. He wants to um, explain to them the core doctrines of the Christian faith, and he wants to show them how they should live in response to that core doctrine of Christianity. So for the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul focused on something called the gospel. And that simply means the good news. And intermixed with this journey of telling us about the good news, Paul tells us some bad news. In Romans chapter 3, if you remember when we were there, um, Paul said, listen, here's the deal. Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned. Whether in big ways or small ways, we all have hurt our relationship with God. We've broken that relationship with God through this thing called sin. And then in chapter 6, the bad news got worse. In chapter 6, it told us that the penalty for our sin is this thing called death. But because of our sin, whether big or small, we all deserve to die. That's some bad news. But then Paul comes in with some good news, and it's some really good news. In chapter 3, verse 24, Paul says, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. So how can a holy God declare that unholy people are righteous? Well, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. 
For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So the reality is we all have totally screwed up our lives. We all have messed up our lives beyond repair. And God knows that. He looks at our situation as humanity, and he steps in. He steps in to fix the mess that we created. He sent Jesus to die so we can live. He sent Jesus to pay our death penalty. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what Christianity is built upon, that core teaching that God himself paid our penalty so we could live forever. That's some really good news. Now, last week, we explored Romans chapter 12. And in Romans 12, Paul shifts from explaining the gospel. And he says, now let's talk about how you should live in response to the gospel. If you really understand the gospel, if you've really responded to the gospel, then your life should look different. People should be able to look at your life and say, that person really believes the gospel. It's applying, they are applying those, that principle, that core teaching, that core doctrine to their life. They believe it that deeply. In chapter 12, Paul started off by begging all Christ followers to give our bodies back to God and to live as living and holy sacrifices before God. And the verse said, it's kind of your reasonable service. It's the least that we can do because of what God has done for us. The least that we can do is to offer God back our lives and say, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do because of what you have done for me. I'll do anything you ask of me. There's nothing that you could ask would be too big. There's nothing that you could ask that would be too small. I will do what you ask me to do. I will be a living sacrifice. Now, we also said last week that there's a problem with living sacrifices. And the problem is that we can climb off the altar. A dead sacrifice isn't going anywhere. But a living sacrifice has the ability to stand up off the altar and say, I'm not going to do it today. Not today. You know, I did it yesterday. I might do it tomorrow, but not today. I'm not going to sacrifice. And maybe you're in a scenario like that. We all get in those spots. Maybe you're in a spot where you'd say, you know what, I'm so sick of being the one who sacrifices in this marriage. I'm so sick of being the only one who gives. And so, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm just going to climb right off the altar. God, you're just going to have to work this out, but I'm just not going to sacrifice. You could be in a financial situation where you say, you know what, I'm just so tired of sacrificing financially. Just doesn't seem to be working out for me. So I'm just going to go do my own thing financially. And uh, I'm just not going to be a sacrifice in that area anymore. Or maybe you wrestle with this issue of doing right. and, And you feel like, you know, every time I do right, I don't get rewarded for it. I mean, there doesn't seem to be a reward. I look around our world and those who do wrong seem to be rewarded for that. And there's some authors in the Bible that talked about that. They they said, man, I just, it, it breaks my heart. I look around and there's evil people doing evil things and they prosper. And here I am trying to do the God thing and I'm struggling. 
So there could be moments where we say, you know what, I just don't want to sacrifice in that area anymore. I just don't want to be that sacrifice. So if it works for me, I'm just going to figure out how I can make that happen. Even super Christian, the Apostle Paul talked about the struggle with being a living sacrifice. In Romans chapter seven, if you remember that, he said, the things that I want to do, I don't do those things. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing those things. So this guy that that God used to radically transform the world said, listen, I admit I have a problem, and that problem is me. I'm the problem. He said in chapter 7, verse 24, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He says, who's going to free me from me? I mean, the stuff I know I should do, I don't do that stuff. The stuff I know I should not do, I find myself doing that. Who can free me from me? And then in verse 25, he says, here's the answer. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So all of us, even the apostle Paul, struggle with this thing of being living sacrifices. We all have this tendency to crawl off the altar before God. And if you think about it, that's one of the biggest struggles as Christ followers. It's one of the biggest struggles as Christians is staying on the altar because every day we are tempted to look away from the gospel. Every day we are tempted with something shiny and we like shiny things. And we look away from the gospel and we think, ah, oh, you know, the gospel isn't all that great today, but that thing is great. And so we're tempted to look to other places besides the good news. And that's why I love Romans chapter 8. In verse 1, it says, So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So just after Paul saying this in in Romans chapter seven, he says, oh, who's gonna save me from me? I thank God for Jesus. And then the very next sentence says, so now. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So when we are struggling with living as a holy and acceptable sacrifice before God, the Bible says there's no condemnation. And when I don't live the life that I should, there's no condemnation. When I fail to live like Jesus would want me to, there's no condemnation. There's simply God's grace. So our relationship with God isn't based upon us keeping the rules. It isn't based upon whether you do a good job or not as a living sacrifice. That's not what it's based upon. Our relationship with God is based upon God's grace and God's grace alone. See, we can't be good enough to earn God's grace. We can't be good enough. We can't follow enough rules to get into a relationship with God, all we can do is understand that it's a free gift that's given and and receive that and live our lives in response to that. So in those moments where we struggle with living 
the lives that we should, in those moments where, where you just look at your life and go, I just don't know if I can do this thing. I'm just not doing a good job. I hope Romans 8.1 comes to mind. So now, there's no condemnation for you. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I love Romans chapter 8. It can transform your life. Now, when we understand that, we shouldn't just go out and live any way we want. We should go out and live how God wants us to in response to the gospel. Now, we're not supposed to be in Romans chapter 8. We're supposed to be in Romans 13. So if you shift over to Romans 13 for a moment. In Romans 13, Paul continues his challenge that he starts in, in chapter 12. And he says, listen, if, if you really understand the gospel, if you really understand what God has done for you, your life should look different. And then he starts down in 13, 14, 15 with some examples of how our lives as Christ followers should look different than our world. And he starts in verse 1 of 13 by saying, submit to governing authorities. Submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So if we really understand the gospel and we really understand what Paul is saying here in this moment, it should change how we talk and how we treat and how we interact with people who have been placed in authority over us. That applies from everyone, from our president of the United States all the way down to your mom and dad. That applies to anyone who's been put in position of authority over you. Now, when it comes to politics, there's a lot of, of different issues, and we take a lot of different positions on that. There are some people who voted for our current president and love him. There are some people who didn't vote for him and don't like him. Regardless of where you stand, regardless of your political opinions, regardless of your views when it comes to politics, God has placed our current president in his position, and we should respect and we should obey the laws of our land. We should respect and we should obey the laws of our land, being reminded that God has placed our president there. You know that boss that you may or may not like? You know that boss you wish you had their job? That boss that you may not speak so positively about when you're getting coffee in the break room? That boss has been placed there by God. And we should, as Christ followers, Paul says, listen, if you really get the gospel, you understand this, your life should look different. You shouldn't look like everybody else. You shouldn't be talking trash about your boss. You may not like every decision that they make, but they've been placed there by God. And so you should live differently. You should interact with them differently than the way that the world does. You know, maybe you're in school, you have a teacher that you don't really like or a coach that you're not, a real, you're not really fond of. And in those positions, we got to remind ourselves that God has placed them there and we should respect them and our interaction with them should be different. If we're Christ followers, if we really understand the gospel, then we should live differently as we interact with people in authority over us. If you're a child and you think, you know, I'm not really that fond of my parents right now, 
Your parent has been placed in that position by God to be your parent. And you should respect them. And you should obey them. So God says, listen, I want you, as Christ followers, to look different. I want you to submit to all governing authorities that I've placed over you. Now, often when we read this or or think about that concept, there are moments that we go, but aren't there times where we're not supposed to do that? And the answer is yes. And I'm not talking about when, you know, right around tax time. That's usually when we're wondering, hey, can I like not pay my taxes? It's not what Paul's talking about. It actually talks about that, addresses that, I think, in in, uh, another spot in Romans 13. But what we're talking about is there are moments where you might find that you're put in a position that you have to decide between man's values and God's values, between man's standards and God's standards. And when we find ourselves in those moments, we always have to side with God. So you might find yourself at work and maybe your supervisor or your boss asks you to fudge the numbers a little bit on that project that you're working on to make that project look a little bit better than it really is. That's called lying. And as a Christ follower, you should not engage in that. We should not twist the truth to make something look better. Again, our lives should look different as Christ followers. It should look different when we're at work. It should look look different when we're at school or we're on an athletic team. If a coach dangles in front of a player more playing time, if they'll do something that that player knows doesn't honor God, that player has a decision to make. They need to decide, are they going to honor God? Are they going to honor man and get a little bit more playing time? We might even find in our culture that laws are passed that go contrary to the values of the Bible. And in those moments, as Christ followers, we'll have a decision to make. Am I going to follow the laws of man and face the consequences of God? Or am I going to follow the laws of God and face the consequences of man. And you may be put in that spot one day. We, as a nation, may be put in that spot one day. We may find laws that are passed that put us right at that Y in the road where we have to decide, which path am I going to take? What am I going to do in this moment? So there are all kinds of scenarios that may be active in your world right now or maybe in the future where we as Christ followers will have to decide, hey, I'm not going to obey that governing authority over me because... God is my governing authority. He's my ultimate governing authority. And what this person is asking me to do violates God's standard for me. So we may get in that spot. But until we're at that spot, until we're at that wine road, God says, submit to all governing authorities that have been placed around you because you represent me to the world. So our lives should look different. Now, over in chapter 14, Paul turns and he starts looking at how Christ followers should interact with each other. He looks at that relationship and he, and he says in chapter 14, there's a real challenge from him to work hard at living in harmony with each other. Paul says, listen, if you're a Christ follower, you should not get into pointless arguments. You should not waste your time arguing about things that have no real value. And that was something that was going on in Paul's day. There were several different ongoing arguments about all kinds of things. One argument was going on around food. Another argument was going on around which day of the week Christ followers should meet 
for their church gathering. So when it comes to the food thing, there were several ongoing food arguments. One of those arguments had to do with food that was offered to idols. So there were some Christians that said, if you're a Christ follower, you should not eat meat that's been offered to an idol. It's been offered to an evil God. You should not eat that meat. It's wrong if you eat it. There were other Christ followers that came along and said, there's nothing wrong with that meat. That God's not even real. And you can probably get it on discount. So there's nothing wrong with the meat. So there's this big argument back and forth about that. And Paul comes along and goes, why are you arguing about what you eat? Don't argue about that kind of stuff. That's a minor issue. Don't make it a major issue. And then another subject that was going on, we find in Romans 14, they were arguing about which day they should meet for their church services. So some Christians said, God set up the Sabbath, which is Saturday, as the day to worship him. He didn't change it. So we need to worship on Saturday. Other Christians said, Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday. And so we think Sunday's the day that we should meet in celebration of his resurrection. And there was a big argument. It should be Saturday or it should be Sunday. Paul comes along and he says in verse 5 of Romans 14, he says, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. He says, all right, come on. It's not a big deal. So if Saturday is your day, great. Worship God on Saturday. If Sunday's your day, great. Worship God on Sunday. But don't make this a bigger deal than it really is. And then in verse 10, Paul says, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Now, I I think you should mark this next verse. Remember this. Romans 14, 12. Remember this. One day you'll be reminded when you stand in the presence of God. It says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Each and every one of us are going to sit down and have a conversation with God about our lives. We're going to look into the eyes of a holy God and we are going to talk about our lives, about how we lived in response to the gospel. We're going to have some, I think, some very interesting conversations with God about that. So just mark that one day you have an appointment and you're going to be sitting with God. I have an appointment. I'm going to be sitting with God, having a conversation about how I lived in response to God's incredibly good news. So verse 13 says, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Now, we may look at those uh, arguments back in Paul's day and think, well, that's kind of silly. Why would anybody argue over food? Why why would anybody argue over which day of the, the week that people should meet? But Christians today still argue over all kinds of pointless things. I mean, we argue over which style of music should be played in church, what type of clothes are acceptable or not to wear to church, what version of the Bible is okay. There are Christians who argue over which color of carpet should be put in the new building that they just built. And there are some churches who have split over something as minor as that. Can you imagine a church split? I mean, a group saying, well, I think it should be red, and I think it should be green. And having the church divide, and then two new churches start out of that, you think God is honored in that? 
No, it's ridiculous. Paul says, listen, if you really understand the gospel, you should not interact the way the world would interact. You should look different. In verse 20, Paul says, don't tear apart the work of God over something as simple as what you eat. And then verse 19, he says, we should aim for harmony in church and try to build each other up instead of tearing each other down. And that's why we are so passionate around here about resolving conflict. We are so passionate about us getting together and resolving differences that that we might have. And Jesus said this, he said, listen, as Christ followers, your love for each other, how you interact with each other will prove to the world whether I am real or not. That's a major statement, major statement. Our interaction will prove to the world whether Jesus really came. And if we're arguing with each other all the time, guess what we're telling the world? Guess what we're telling people who don't know Jesus? We're telling them Jesus really isn't real. So good luck in your life trying to figure it out on your own. That's what we're saying. And that's not okay. And Paul says, listen, that's not okay. So conflict is inevitable. That's just a reality of life. You know, put any two people in a relationship long enough, they're going to have a, a fight over something. So you come hang out at our church family or any church family, pick a church, you go hang out, you get engaged, you get active, you get involved somewhere down the road at some point you're going to have an argument with somebody because you're going to say, I think it should be blue. And they're going to say, I think it should be green. And you're going to have to decide what's more important, the color of stinking carpet or representing Jesus to the world. I think representing Jesus to the world should win the day, always. So conflict is inevitable. But what my desire for us and all churches, all Christ followers, is that we make an agreement together. We just say, you know what? We agree as a church, anytime we have conflict with someone else, we are going to do everything we can and fo- with God's full grace and humility to resolve issues as quickly as possible. We will not go a week or two weeks or three weeks. We will not post garbage on Facebook. We'll go to that person that we had that problem with and we'll talk about it and we'll resolve it. So if you call Epic your church home or you're thinking about calling Epic your church home, please agree with me on that. Join my, my, my challenge on that. Let's all agree. Jesus is first and we, we represent him to the world. And so how we interact with each other matters and we will resolve conflict. Now, I'll get off that soapbox for just a moment here. Our final subject for today in Romans 15, 20, Paul shifts and he, he gets real personal. He talks about his personal mission from God, something that he feels like God has called him specifically to do in his life. Paul says this, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Jesus Christ has never been heard. He says, listen, I... I feel like I've got to preach this good news. I've got to tell people who have not heard about Jesus rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. Now, this verse, Paul's statement here in this verse captures our heartbeat as a church called Epic. We have a model, motto around here. If you see one of our T-shirts, um, on the back of our T-shirts is this motto. And our motto is that we are a church for people who don't do church. 
Now, that has two parts to it. The first part is we don't want to just do church. We don't want to just come Sunday mornings, sing some great worship songs, hear okay message, and, and go and just live the same lives. Now, we want to come and we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to apply, we want to leave here and go out and live different lives. We want to learn how to be the church for each other and for our community who desperately needs to see the love of Jesus. That's what we want to do. So that's the first part. Now, the second part is that we want to reach people who don't do church. So everything we do here at Epic is geared towards someone who has yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you just know that about us, it will explain so many things around here. That specific vision affects how we teach, how we serve, how we do small groups, the clothes that we wear, the songs that we sing, how we do children's ministry, how we do student ministry. It affects everything at our church family. There are approximately 100,000 people in our county, and many of those people don't know Jesus. And if those people die, when they die, if they have not put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they will spend an eternity in this place called hell. It's a real place. It wasn't designed for humanity. It was designed for fallen angels. Angels that turned away from God are called demons. And God does not want anyone to spend an eternity apart from him. And so he sent Jesus to die so they can live. He sent us as a church. He sent churches out and said, listen, I'm putting all of, of my, my eggs in one basket, and that basket is the local church. The local church carries this message, the gospel, carries it to a world who desperately needs it. And so we represent God to the world in this county. We have a job to do, and that job is to reach people in our county who don't know Jesus. Now, should we build each other up in our relationship with God? Absolutely. We should build each other up as believers. But should we reach people who are seeking something spiritual or seeking something they don't even know that it could be a relationship with God? Yes. So everything I think we should do should be to reach people who have yet to hear that message, that life-changing message. Now, we aren't just talking about what happens here on Sunday. That's a piece of it. And we're very intentional on, on Sunday to create engaging environments that can help lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're, we're purposeful in our children's ministry, our student ministry, out here in our worship. We're purposeful about creating kind of environments where people can be led into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. But again, what happens on Sunday is just a part of that. I mean, what happens Monday through Saturday is where it really plays out. So when we leave here and we go back to our schools, we go into our jobs, we go into our neighborhoods, and we live different, and people look at us and go, there is a God because I see him in you. That's what God's called us to do. So if you share that, if you share that kind of heartbeat, that kind of passion, I just ask that you get involved in what God is doing here. I ask that as you leave here, you live a different life. You live a transformed kind of life. 
So as you think about this series, and if you've missed any messages in this series, I encourage you to go to our website, theepicchurch.com, and you can listen to all the messages or through our iTunes account. But as you think back through this series and, and today's message, what does God want you to do? What's God's message for you? There are two parts to Romans. If we hit it on a high-level high scale, there's two parts. First part is the gospel, and Paul spent really 11 chapters explaining the gospel. Second part is living in response to the gospel. So number one, have you responded to the gospel? Have you opened up your heart to the reality that Jesus died so you can live? Do you believe that? Do you believe he did that for you? My hope and prayer is that you will respond to the gospel. It'll change your forever. Your forever vacation plans will be altered and you will be grateful for that. The second part of that is, are you living in response to the gospel? In, in your work week, you know, at home, in your, your alone time or entertainment time, your hobbies or whatever, is God saying anything to you about how you live and that maybe you should live differently? Is God saying, hey, in this area, I want you to live different? You know, like maybe when you go to work this week and you know you're going to be in that challenging situation, you know it's coming. You know it's coming this week. Will you live differently? Will you live as a holy sacrifice? Will you represent me to the world? So what might you need to do in your own life as a response to this series? Either respond to the gospel or live your life in a whole new way. So I hope that this series has been an encouragement to you. Uh, I have really enjoyed spending some concentrated time in Romans, just kind of marinating in it um, and allowing its truth to wash over my mind over and over and over again. There are moments that we jump from subject to subject to subject so quickly, I don't think we allow one truth to settle enough. And so my hope and prayer for all of us is that maybe you see the gospel in a whole new way. And maybe you're grateful for it in a whole new way. And my hope and prayer, God's hope and prayer for us is that we will live differently. That as people look at us in the world, they would say, you're different. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I believe all that you believe, but you're different and I want to know more. And then we can tell them about Jesus Christ. So um, we've reached the end of our uh, overview study of Romans and next week, we're going to dive into a series that's really kind of an extension of this series that we've been in. And we're going to talk more about living lives where people can look at us and say, you know what? The power of God is at work in you. We're going to talk about this thing called boldness. How do we live with boldness at work, in our families, in our schools? How can we live with the kind of boldness that the early followers of Jesus lived with and people around them said, it's obvious they've been with Jesus. So I encourage you to invite a friend, come back next week. I think it's going to be a great series that we're going to dive into. Now I'm going to wrap this up in prayer and then Carla's going to come out and give us some closing announcements. So let's pray together. God, I, I can't thank you enough for your thoughts captured in print for us your written word that we can read and reread and reread and spend a lifetime studying and trying to figure out and trying to apply to our lives. 
God, I thank you so much for your grace, for the gospel, that we can't earn a relationship with you. We can't be good enough, that it's just a free gift that's given to us, that all we have to do is respond. All we have to do is believe that Jesus, you died so we can live. All we have to do is admit that we're sinners in need of a savior. So I pray for those here today who might be in that spot. I pray that they would fling the doors open to their heart and say, I believe that. I'm going to respond today to the gospel. Lord, I pray for the rest of us who have responded to the gospel. Lord, I pray that our lives would be lived differently, that we would live our lives in response to that life-changing message that Jesus died so we can live. That every day that we wake up, we would choose to be living sacrifices. And God, we would not crawl off the altar and do our own thing. But every day we would say, God, because of what you have done for us, we will live our lives in response to that amazing good news. So Lord, we need your strength to do that. And you give us that strength. You give us that power. Romans chapter 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Lord, help us to tap into the power that you make available available to us through the Holy Spirit. Help us live lives that represent you to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Epic. Um, My name is Carla, and I just have a few things to share with you about what's going on at Epic. Um, I hope that you've been as challenged by this series as I have, and if you want to dive deeper, one of the resources that we have is our Spiritual Growth Challenge, which you can find online or at the Connection Center. And it gives you kind of a study that you can go through um, throughout the week to, to learn a little bit more about what we talk about on Sundays. And that's not just for this series in Romans, that's for all of our series. So check out that resource. On July 28th, we have uh, baptism and day at the beach. And I really encourage you, if you have put your faith in Christ recently um, through the series or just, you know, just putting your faith in Christ and you haven't taken that step to make that public profession of your faith through baptism, encourage you to uh, go on the epicchurch.com, sign up and do that. It's really cool, um, awesome thing to be part of. So um, for the rest of us, let's go and um, cheer these folks on and just spend some time hanging out as a church family. This week, our student ministry surge is headed to uh, summer camp in Panama City, Florida. So if you can be praying for the students and the leaders, especially the leaders who may need a little extra sleep, um, but especially our students who um, just are going to be challenged in their faith, so be praying that they grow and that God just just encourages their hearts, um, that would be Awesome, and thank you to everyone who made this possible, who, who supported this, this um, opportunity for our students. We are all leaders in some way, form, or fashion in our communities, our families. So if you want to grow in your leadership skills, I want to invite you to check out this video real quick. 
So if you're a leader in your family, at your job, in your community, I really encourage you to take this opportunity to grow in your leadership skills. The dates are August 8th and 9th. It's going um, in Jacksonville, and the cost is $95. It is probably going to be one of the best $95 you could spend um, this year in this particular um, way. So you can sign up at theepicchurch.com, and we'll get in touch with you about details for that. One of the things we talk about every week is giving of our time, talent, and resources. And so if you call Epic home and you want to continue to invest in what we are doing in this community, you can do so today. There are giving boxes behind each seating section or on uh, theepicchurch.com. You can give online as well. One of the things you may have noticed when you came in today is that this is a school, but it doesn't look like a school. And one of the things you may not notice when you leave is that it will return to looking like a school. And we are able to do that because we have an awesome team of folks who come and they set the the chairs up and the the coffee stations and all of that gets set up. And then we have another group that also helps pull uh, all of that down. So if you are interested, yes, let's give them applause because they're a small but dedicated group. And they could use your help. So if you are able to give of your time to help tear down or set up in the mornings, that would be a huge help. And the more people we have, the faster it gets done and people can get to lunch or whatever. So you can see Angie in the back at the Connection Center if you're interested in helping. If you are here with us for the first time or you've been checking us out for a little bit, we are so glad you're here. If you'll stop at the Connection Center, we have a little packet of information that we'd love to give you about who we are and why we're here, and uh, we'd love to just meet you as well. So, Okay, well, (laughs) thanks for enduring through that marathon of announcements. We, um, again, are just so glad that you're here. Please say hi to someone on your way out, and have a great week.